Welcome to After Dark, Sorted Cinema's spinoff podcast where we talk about television, the best of it, the worst of it, the newest of it, and the oldest of it. Everything in between. I am Randy Dankovich, and uh, joining me and Ricky this week is Mariko McDonald, the co-host of the Talk AEW podcast. And this week we are talking about wrestling. Surprise! Uh, we are going to talk about the first season of Stars Heels, which aired last summer and stars Stephen Amell and Alexander Ludwig. But first, let's hear a clip, and we'll be right back. You gotta be able to take the heat. You need to learn how to separate youth character from youth person. They all cheer for me? They cheer for the character. The character I play! The character I created. Make it right, Jack. He's your brother. I'm aware. Your dad built a cathedral to a local pastime. They're coming tonight because they trust me to tell them a better story than what they have to live with every day. Now well, maybe you should spend some time with Thomas. I haven't finished the script. Who should win? Us. It ain't about winning or losing. Make them love you. Make them love hate you. We got kids to come to the show, Ace. What's the matter? You afraid I'm gonna go off script? No one makes their living from wrestling anymore. We can, I can. The locker room's for wrestlers, not ballets. I'm not just a ballet. I can wrestle. Ace can succeed at the highest level. It's a natural. It's in his blood. Are you taking me with you? After I make it big, I could come back. You never gonna see Duffy again. You need to send him a message. Like Esau and Jacob. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and the elder shall serve the younger. Jacob had the guts to wrestle with God. How about you? that anger is more useful than grief. And that's my belt you're wearing. You want this belt? Come and get it. Dad always used to say, hold it together, Ace. Hold it together. Try it. Both a couple of losers, like your old man. Come on, come on. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Again, I am Randy Dankovich, the co-host of the Sorted Cinema After Dark podcast, the man behind Process Media. Joining me, my co-host Ricky D. What's going on, Ricky? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. What's up, Randy? What's up, Stephen Amell? What's up, Alexander Ludwig? What's up, Allison Luff and the rest of the cast? And what's up to Mariko McDonald? Not much, honestly. Happy to be here. Um, and we are here to talk about a show that, to be quite honest, I kind of wrote off last year. I will come out and fully admit that I heard about Heels and said, oh, it looks like a good cast, and then proceeded to never think about it again until Ricky suggested it as a show for us to talk about this month. And boy, am I glad I watched this show that apparently like 11 other people watched. I don't know how this show got a second season, but it did, which means we're here to talk about the first season. Heels is a small town drama about a uh, a sad a sad pair of brothers trying to carry on their father's legacy of local independent semi kind of professional amateurish wrestling and all of the life dramas and traumas that go along with that um yeah this is uh, i i guess i will say coming into the show um, I would guess, given that you two uh, do a lot with wrestling podcasts, you have a lot more experience with professional wrestling than I do. My only real experience, like it, consuming professional wrestling, was with my grandfather when he watched it as a child, and I, I would happily watch it with him. But it was never something that particularly grabbed my interest. But and I think maybe that that shades the way I talk about the show. So I want to kind of open the floor to you guys first, and and kind of give me your overall thoughts about 
the show heals. I'll, I'll, I'll start with our guest, Mariko, because, you know, we hear enough out of you, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, as a wrestling fan and um, actually a big fan of, of Stephen Hamel, uh, Shadow North fan, um, I was really excited about this show when I first heard about it. Um, being into wrestling, I knew that Stephen Hamel actually already had a bit of a, a background in wrestling is friends with uh people in AEW which is the league that um Ricky and I follow the closest That's like the cool new league, right? If I'm yes, understanding AEW... kind of like how wrestling is going lately. Yes, it's much more indie inspired um not as PG. It's wrestling's for grown-ups who are still kids. Which is one of the comments I would make about the show but um basically i had very i i was excited but i didn't know what to expect i was very nervous that it was going to be bad um there were things i like about it and things i don't like about it but i am looking forward to the second season um just because they they did manage to create a couple characters that i could care about um and I just like Stephen Amell. Who doesn't? I mean, I sat through eight seasons of Arrow, and I didn't really want to do it for most of it. And he certainly kept me around for more than I expected. But one hundred ten percent, yes. <laughs> but what about you, Ricky? Um, how did you feel about coming into heels? You know, as somebody who has such a is such a big fan of wrestling, knowing that you know there's a indie wrestling show coming from the guy from Arrow and a dude who like wrote a couple Marvel movies. First of all, you do not have to be a wrestling fan to become a fan of this show because this show is very much like Friday Night Lights in which that show revolved around football, but you didn't need to like or care about football to enjoy that show. Yeah, it's your standard small town drama, but I'll I'll let you keep going. Sorry. Yeah, I have have another comparison I'd like to make, but I want to hear more about Ricky's feelings. Okay, but before I get to my feelings, I just want to get a few things out of the way for anyone who's not familiar with the show. Also, this show was created by Michael Waldron, who created Loki, the Marvel show on Disney, and this is far better than that show. So just a bit of background who's involved apart from the actual cast, which is incredible. But I think the first six episodes of season one are incredible. Like, I think it's one of the best shows of 2021. And I can't wait for season two. It does sort of fall apart in the last two episodes, especially the last episode. And I think it's because they weren't clear and sure if they would sign for a second season. So I think they try to wrap up a storyline and it would have been better if it ended with je ne sais quoi. Like, I don't know if they needed a cliffhanger, but the way the first season ended, it just didn't feel right. and It didn't make any sense. I completely disagree with you but i was gonna say this is why i love one this is why i always like to ask ricky how he feels about things because there's always something in there that is going to bring us no one else is going to believe well we'll talk about the ending later in the podcast yes but i'm just going to stick with the friday night lights comparison for now because i know i'm not the first person to make this comparison but again they're ripping off the soundtrack they're going for it deliberately the soundtrack is deliberately meant to evoke um fire in the sky or whatever that that instrumental band is but i don't feel like it always works because of the writing i don't feel like the writing is strong enough we're all over the map right now the soundtrack is amazing and i should state that the opening theme song is uh, written and composed by one of the band members from Band of Horses, which is one of my favorite indie bands. And you are completely right. I'm not going to disagree. They are clearly trying to have the feel and flow and ambiance of a show like Friday Night Lights. I don't think that's a bad thing because that's an amazing show. And a lot of people, again, love that show, even if they did not like football. And so I kind of feel like I'm just making these comparisons for anyone who hasn't seen a show to kind of have an understanding that this isn't just a wrestling show. It's not like Glow, right? Glow is a completely different show. And the thing about Glow is Glow was about a women's wrestling league and about them finding these women and them training to become wrestlers. It's sort of like an origin story. This we start in the middle of the story. They are wrestlers. They have a professional wrestling league. It is in the indie scene, but it's pretty popular to the point where they can have like 10,000 like people in 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 an arena watching them live and it does center around 
a family, there's the two siblings, and we do learn right away that the dad committed suicide, and the dad was the one who started the wrestling league, and shit unfolds. Where I kind of want to start our conversation about heels, I think the Friday Night Lights comparison is a decent one, and I do think this show... I kind of don't like this show's score at all because I think it kind of undercuts what this show is actually really, really good at, which is like little bits of humor and small town storytelling. I absolutely agree. I feel like they want to be taken seriously as this heavy drama. And so that's why they have this like explosions in the sky style thing to make you to evoke the idea of Friday Night Lights and, you know, make that connection in your in your head. But there's so many other things happening that are so blatantly goofy because, after all, it's about professional wrestling. And, you know, even if these are real people who are the professional wrestlers and they have real dramas, at the end of the day, it's goofy AF. And I find that the 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 tone was just kind of uneven through pretty much the whole series. I think any freshman season is going to have some ideas trying to figure out its identity. And I yeah. think the, the problem with heels is that it clearly, it feels the need to inhabit this Friday night lights personality early mm-hmm. on. And I think really what this show discovers, especially when you bring in writers like Bradley Paul, who worked on shows like lodge 49 is that what this show can what what this show could really aspire to be is something a lot closer to rectify. And mm. I say that because Rectify was a show that, you know, is is about a very pointed moment of trauma and how that ripples through a community over over decades. The the span of that story is is huge and like Ricky said, this this show kind of drops us into the middle of that similar kind of intergenerational story. And so much of what this show does. Intergenerational trauma too. Yes. And so much of what this show does well is exploring those spaces that we don't see. And I, you know, the show leans a little bit on flashback a little too much, I think to do this, but the emotional weight this show can give to the things that to the past is so powerful. And I think, you know, that's partly informed by, you're telling a story about a show of, of wrestling, which is is rich and obsessed with its own history as much as any sport is out there or any narrative, really. And I think once this show starts to lean into that heavier and starts to be a little bit quieter with its storytelling, I think it becomes a, a really incredible series about a group of human beings that are like any great group of, of of television characters are fundamentally broken in a number of ways that this show can pull at with this kind of central setting. So I agree with the soundtrack. I, I, I love the theme. Song, I don't like saying. it. I like the theme song. The theme song is great because if only because we get a two minute credit sequence, which television does not have enough of anymore. I love that. Let me repeat myself. I'm not a fan of the soundtrack. I agree. But I love the theme song. So we're on the same page. Okay, the good. theme song is fantastic. Like I said, the guy from Band of Horses did the theme song. It's one of those theme songs that just like when you, it's like it's like you, it's just iconic at this point. Yes. The show that 81,000 people watched is iconic. <laughs> it is iconic for the people that watch it. <laughs> but but like the thing is, we're all on the same page. I think I'm a bit more positive on the show, which is why I asked you two to watch the show because I love the show and I'm hoping for season two. And oh, I think I'm the most positive two. on the show of out of all three of us. Oh, no, no. I love this show. I, I, I'll get to my my little nitpick at the end. But what I love about the show has a fan of professional wrestling as someone who actually hosts a wrestling podcast with Mariko about AEW is I love how it's a it's a love letter to the independent wrestling promotions. And to me, this entire season, like, yes, there's the family drama and all of the chaos that happens backstage, right? Not just inside the ring. But for me, I love how the show focuses on kayfabe and how these wrestlers have to stay in character and be heels and or faces, the good guys and the bad guys and how that bleeds into real life, especially with the two siblings, because you have Ace who starts as the 
has the baby face, the good guy, that's the term in wrestling, and Jack, he's the heel. And I love how the end of the first episode, and this is what really hooked me, when the first episode ended, I was like hooked. I love how it shows how fast and quick and easy a crowd can turn on a wrestler and how he can go from being the beloved baby face, the champion, to being the guy who's booed inside the ring. And he's crying. The crowd totally turns on him and how that bleeds into real life and how this guy who's the baby face in in the ring is really the bad guy. Not really, but he kind of acts like a dick backstage. And then the heel is completely the opposite and how they walk around town and they still have to sort of maybe be in persona in character, but not really. They're not entirely sure. And that's how like professional wrestling has changed from back in like the 70s and early 80s. When if you were a bad guy, you were a bad guy in front of the cameras and when the cameras weren't even turned on. Like, you know, you would go to a wrestling uh, promotion, watch or see a wrestler walking down the street. And if he was a heel, it would not be uncommon for someone to boo him or tell him off or even maybe attack the guy. I mean, it was like insane. And so I like how it focuses on this aspect of kayfabe and where does kayfabe really belong in 2022 with stuff like the internet and everyone knowing everyone's business. And so that like, in terms of like me being a wrestling fan, that's what I really like about the show and also how there's the competition, right? You got the Duffy league and then you have the competitive league, which is based out of Florida and Florida is like a hotspot for wrestling, which is where AEW is actually based out of Jacksonville. And you have the wrestling league, the FWD and how they have completely two different styles because the FWD is sort of like an ECW. Okay. That was my, going to be my question. Is this like so? This is kind of the the foundation for the the overarching plot of the first season. Is like Mike O'Malley, who shout out to Mike O'Malley, who has built this fantastic career. He went from you know host of guts to doing sitcoms to creating shows about like really interesting shows about sports and sports families, which you know I've talked plenty over the years about how television could use more of. Uh, he was also the uh, creator of Survivor's Remorse, which aired for a few mm. years. Um, <clears throat> But like that, that story of like this kind of traditional, like we stick to the heart of what wrestling is. And then this like other FWD thing, that's like kind of presenting like the, this is going to age me, but like the WW, old WWF versus like the WCW in the nineties. Is that like a. FWD is very similar to, I mean, there's a lot of promotions out there right now like them, but like ECW would be back in the nineties. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna start getting into some of the 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 things that I I had issues with as far as um, how kayfabe and wrestling culture is handled. All I know is that they say kayfabe a lot on this show. Yeah, so they want me to know uh, the, what it the, is. They really want yes. me to know what that is. It's when you're in character. <laughs> yes, it's, yeah, it's, you don't break character. And so before, the, and yeah, so be just really quick before. If you broke character as a wrestler, it would be the end of your career. People would turn on you. And someone actually did it once on live TV at an interview with someone in NBC, like a big, huge news reporter. And the wrestling world was turned upside down after that interview. It changed professional wrestling moving forward because everyone sort of like got the knowledge that, hey, this is all scripted and predetermined. Yeah. So the legend is kayfabe stands for keep it fake. Yeah. Like the way that they were presenting the uh, the DWF or what it was it? It's DWL and FWD. FWD. Fear right? the Walking the Dead. FWD. And deliver with love. <laughs> uh... The Duffy League versus the FWD. Yeah, yeah, there were just like a lot of things that like I wonder if like setting the show in the '80s would have made things make more sense for me in my mind, because as someone who is actually immersed in in current wrestling culture and indie wrestling culture and like okay like i haven't been to a show in florida myself yet but you know like just the people they're putting in the audience the way that the every, things are reacting like it feels like someone's recreation of something from the 90s it doesn't feel like an authentic portrayal of what's actually happening in independent wrestling right now but like I get it's a TV show and you got to kind of like simplify things, but it kind of feeds into this feeling that I had through a lot of it where, and this was something that really kind of broke my ability to get into the show. Is it like the way that it presents the small town thing and small town fans 
it felt like it was talking down to them. I want to win the belt tonight. Dad started it. You got it. I deserve it. Why the hell do you get to make all the decisions? Well, because one way or the other, Dad left me in charge. And I think that you need to admit there's been a maldistribution of effort and responsibility around these parts since then. Because you never let anyone else do any of the work, Jack. God, this is so you. Let me tell you something, man. Just because I don't put my words and feelings the way you do, don't mean what I want ain't fair. Is this because I made your kids smile in church this morning? No, yeah, okay. No. Could you cheer for me in the rain because they all cheer for me? They cheer for the character. The character I play. The character I created. Okay, so I have a theory, and I could be completely wrong. I don't have any inside knowledge on, on the making of the show, but I feel like the show was initially set in the 80s. Like, whoever wrote the show, they maybe wanted to It would to make it make so much more sense. The whole yes. shit about the wife working and how, like, that was a storyline, I'm just like... I cannot relate to this. Yeah, let's 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 put a, th- a pin in Stacy's character because I have I have a lot to say about uh Stacey's Oh my god. Fade. I think it was written initially in the 80s and I think maybe they didn't have the budget to actually do it in the 80s or 90s because, you know, you would need budget for anything from like wardrobe to like whatever, right? That's a theory. I don't know if I'm right, that's a theory. But the reason why I wasn't too hot on the ending, especially the last two episodes, and I do understand what you're saying, it's because it felt way too unrealistic like a lot of what we see here feels realistic and we've seen a lot of these storylines bleed out into real life in real life in professional wrestling Mm -hmm. but when you get to the end of the season you have those last two episodes and jack shows up at the fwd and assaults the promoter at the fwd like first of all he would be arrested second of all that would never happen because even if you wrestle for different promotions, everyone's friends with everyone. So you would definitely be friends with the people at that wrestling. Yeah, match. that's another issue that I have as far as how they portray kayfabe. Where pretty much everything in the ring, like they present real life things as storylines. But like it, it plays a lot with, you know, this thing that actually happens in wrestling where to make it seem more real they'll blend in real things with the storyline but here it's just you know and the storyline will be oh so and so is mad and so and so so he's gonna bust into the ring and punch him in the face but that's a story everyone's agreed to it but it's presented in the show as though these are things that just kind of really happening and it just like confuses the whole idea of kayfabe which is fine. I get it. It's a drama and makes it, makes it more exciting and playing with that whole idea is part of the drama of the show. I get it. No, but it still doesn't make sense. Like there, here's a, here's a problem with the show, Randy, about those last two episodes is that they are trying to be so faithful to the wrestling scene. And for the most part, they, they do an incredible job, but that would never happen. It can happen. You wouldn't have a guy show up on a different league on television. Just, it's never going to happen. Like, that would never happen. And also in the very final episode, and this is the, the, the thing that I didn't like, is you have this ladder match between three men and Crystal is not involved in a match. She's a valet. She's sort of like not a manager. She's a valet, right? Mm-hmm. And the, ma- the match ends with her winning the championship belt because she climbs the ladder, but she's not even a, comp- a competitor in the match. <laughs> so like, I mean, like there's still like rules you have to follow if you're trying to adhere to like Yeah, the but the other wrestling. thing is, the way it was portrayed, like shit happens on the f- on the fly all the time in wrestling. We we see it on a weekly basis where people get hurt mid match and all kinds of things happen, and you need to scramble. And then if it doesn't make sense next week, you come back and you cut a promo about how Crystal is the winner because X, Y, and Z, and we invented this new thing. Like it's not really a problem in wrestling because you can just make a promo about it and make it make sense for everybody. That didn't bother me. That didn't bother me at all. That bugged me because that just didn't make any sense. But anyways, that's my only nitpick about the season because I felt that by her winning the championship at the end, even though she's not technically involved in the match, it made no sense. But I felt like they were just, they were just trying to find a way to wrap up the season because they weren't sure if they would get signed on for season two. And I'm not sure what the ratings are, Randy, but you seem to imply that not many people watch the show. Yeah, nobody watches star shows, but that's that's besides the point. I think I think we're losing the thread a little bit here on on heels as a television show because I think and I and it brings me back to that comparison where you started talking about Friday Night Lights and I, I want to push back against that because 
Friday Night Lights is a show that wants to have that always wanted to have some sort of it wanted to ground its football in mm-hmm. some sort of in some semblance of realism. But that realism, I don't know. Some of that I'm not the I'm not as big of a fan as Friday Night Lights as, as some people were. But for me, you know, maybe this is partly because I'm separated from the culture of professional wrestling. I love the way that this plays out in the last two episodes. I don't give a shit if it makes sense or whatever, realistic or not. But for this show to work, it need it it can't have that. Its storylines, its wrestling storylines can't be that realistic because in yeah. a, a season that operates with eight episodes, even though the episodes are a little bit too long for for my taste, like there's that's just too many steps for that's too many like dimensions for the show to try and operate in. And it needs to use its wrestling to serve kind of its emotional tenor. And I think in that sense, like this show does a, a surprisingly consistent job of that through the season. You know, I think there may be the the ending of giving Crystal kind of the win and giving her the belt at the end of the season may feel a little bit neat, but I think as a way to both pay off all of these different things that have been going on with these characters, it's a really, in a show that is looking for a lot of neat ways to tie things off for whatever reason, maybe because they think they didn't think they were going to get a second season. Maybe it was just, you know, lest we forget television shows can still write a season of television that ends after a season. And if it comes, when it comes back for another season, that season can do something different, you know? So I think there's a part of me that appreciates kind of the novelistic approach to the storytelling in this season and how it serves almost every character in a really emotionally profound way, except for our friend, Stacy Spade, who, if there's one thing, oh, if, if I have a nitpick about this show, it's what the fuck are you doing with Stacy Spade, a woman who loves her little church life, except the fact that she hates her little church life and just can't get on board with the dang wrestling thing. And there is a really interesting, rich version of this character that we're offered in the first three episodes that just disappears in the second half of this season. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is that so much of this show wants its characters to serve its narrative in a way it, it embodies wrestling in that sense. But what this show did in its middle episodes so well is blend is blur that line between serving narrative and serving the emotions of its characters. And when a show is able to do that, Ricky, like you said, it is deserving of being one of the best shows of 2021, but I'm going to guess at least Mariko agrees with me here that Stacey Spade was not served well by that approach to her character in these last four episodes. Oh my goodness. She is miserable for this season. Yeah. And it's like, it's not the actress's fault though. No, no. I don't know whose fault. Like the writing fails her. The writing fails. I think, yeah, I think the writing is a big part of it. And you know, there's a lot of things they added to her character. Like the whole thing about, working outside the home and how that was like a big drama for like four or five episodes and even ends up with her as a part-time clerk at a grocery store. And it's just like, we're in 2022. Like, what is this? Yeah. Like if you want a job, get a, a if you went to college, get a fucking job. Like just, just go do it and tell your husband to shut the fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) No. Again, I think it was written for the eighties. Yeah. In which case it would like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it, but it puts her character already on a, in a problem where like me as a woman, approximately her age, living in 2022, cannot relate to what is happening with her. The other thing, um, was her relationship to the wrestling, because like wrestling is the kind of thing where like. You're either all in or you're just it's a whole not. thing, you know, and like that's what the series is about is being wholeheartedly into things that from the outside, it but may it doesn't seem even seem like she's this. wholeheartedly into her husband or she is for her the pilot. life. Like, it, no, she, she doesn't even want to go see the show live with her friends who are so like enthusiastic and enamored by him and think he's like the hottest thing ever and she's embarrassed by it. But the show, yeah. and the, what's frustrating, I think, with her character is that the notes are there for the show to find, to ground that frustration and her, like, anxiety about his career in something, but they never do it. You know, like, the, mm-hmm. there's there's this whole elephant of the room of their father killed himself, and we, we still really don't have a grasp on that beyond, like, his business wasn't dead, but, like, 
I mean, it's America. Debt is a fucking is not a plot line anymore. It is the <laughs> is the defining story of like our country. So like, again, it feels like a storyline that was written for a different era of character. And I don't know. It it feels. I think what frustrates me so much. It frustrates me more than that. She if she was just an empty character, I could say, well, this show just can't write a great female character. They're just bad. Yeah, but then you have Crystal. But then we have Crystal, uh, and that clouds uh, everything. What's her the manager? What's her Willie? Of course, Willie. Another female. Oh my god, Willie, whose character takes a little while to get going. At first, she kind of feels like the off like the heel version of the office character who's there to just tell uh jack that he needs to calm down and stop thinking so big but like once her story starts going like i think you know her story with her husband like the conversation they have is so good i need to just quickly give a big shout out to debbie who's played by marcia debonis because she's like amazing she only gets like very little screen time but i just love her character great background character yeah this show fills in its background and its secondary characters really well. And I think mm-hmm. that's like when this show's kind of floundering and finding its way in like the third and fourth episodes a little bit. Just the stuff that they bring with, you know, um characters like uh like Bobby Pin and Big Jim and those guys just add so much texture to this show. And this is a show that ultimately I think is gonna rely on texture if it's gonna go in the long run because it's gonna yeah. be dramatic, it's gonna bounce around, it's it's gonna do that by design both because it's like half soap opera and half wrestling show which is also three-quarter soap opera in and of itself which um, is why i think they should lean into the little the campy overly dramatic bits a little bit more yeah but... if, they, if there's something they like what are you guys looking for this show and it's because it is getting a second season regardless of you know the microscopic ratings this show got like this show is coming back next year so like what are you looking for it is it more campiness is it more goofiness or are you looking for like a more more adherence to the like sanctity because you know there's there's a lot of parallels this show draws between like religion and the performative nature of religion and the performative nature of wrestling and the the dedication that you know comes with both religion and believing in wrestling like which end of the spectrum does this show need to lean into Seems to me like there's a beef brewing between you brothers. I'm sure you remember from your wrestling days, Dick, that when you've had the belts as long as I have or you did, people are going to attack you from all angles, even your own kin, which is what's going to make this state fair so darn explosive. Depending on who's in it. The problem is I can't tell my listeners, Dick Valentino's listeners, who's in the main event. It seems to me neither can you. I got the belt. You can tell in my minute. <laughs> this past fall, Jack. Your promotion gained a level of internet infamy when you defeated your brother Ace in 15 seconds with a hold that appeared to these eyes to be really painful. And then Ace burst into tears. Now your daddy, King Spade, was known around these parts as a great wrestler, but he also had a tenuous grasp on his composure and that brought with it a great sense of real danger to the ring. Come clean with me, Jack. You got some of your old man's anger? I thought we were here to talk about the future of the DWL. We got an hour, Jack. We'll get there. Now, this is just me, just thinking out loud, remembering your father. Well, he was, I'm just gonna say it. Your father, Tom, he was one tough son bitch, Jack. Always had to have things his way. So when I get the news that your father kills himself. I'm not fucking talking about that. So, okay, first of all, I think that when it comes to professional wrestling, as a fan who's been a fan since I was a little boy because my best friend who lived across the street, her dad was a wrestler, and so was her uncle and aunt in the WWE. So this is, like, not new to me. I've been, like, a huge wrestling fan for my whole entire life. And some of the best documentaries I've ever seen were documentaries about wrestlers because they have such incredible lives, such tragic lives. Like, the things that happen to some of these wrestlers, like, it's unreal. And so there's so much you can do in terms of, like, moving the show forward, season two, season three, season four. And when you look at his dad, who, like you said, we, we're not entirely sure what happened to his dad. We know he committed suicide. We know he was a wrestler. We know he started the Duffy League. But that's the thing. Once again, going back to the whole idea of being in character, the kayfabe, and just the fact that professional wrestlers do take a lot of damage to their body and their mind. Like, there's been plenty of wrestlers who suffered brain damage, right? And, you know, you look at the famous Chris Benoit story in which the guy killed his wife and his child because he suffered so much brain damage that he eventually just went, like, 
I don't want to use the word crazy, but you know, his brain wasn't working properly. And so there's a lot you could do. And I think, I think with the dad, there's that idea of like, when does it become a shoot? When does it become a work? When do you get out of character? When do you stay in character? And how does that bleed into once again, your family life? And so I do agree that there's a missed opportunity with Stacy. And I'm hoping that they can fix her character and resolve that issue in season two. But I do think, like you said, Randy, there's too many amazing side uh, players, supporting players here to keep the show entertaining, even when it doesn't focus specifically on the siblings, because Bobby pins is maybe him and him and, um, and uh, what's her face. Um, What is her name again? Uh, Crystal. Crystal. They are like, the highlight of the show like they they are the highlight of season one they are they're just like the most likable lovable characters and like they do have that side story between their like romance and of course her romance with ace and the sort of like weird love triangle there's a lot they can do here and in terms of what i'm looking for more in season two i want more of the the grit and realism of professional wrestling and how it affects their family life because again when you get to those last two episodes it becomes about what's happening inside the ring but what makes professional wrestling so interesting, it's what happens outside of the ring, behind closed curtains, when the cameras are off. That is why we have things like dirt sheets, why people read about all of the drama that unfolds behind the camera. That's what makes professional wrestling amazing and interesting. It's like it's like a real-life soap opera that we follow on a daily basis. Marika, what are you looking for in the second season of this show? Like, what's I know you kind of said there's, there's a, enough aspects of this that kind of hold you back from like embracing this show with, with both arms in a way. Yeah. I I mean, I kind of get the impression with this season, like almost the way that they scrambled in the last two episodes that like, they weren't sure how many episodes they were getting. Cause the, the pacing of the story, like being able to sit down and watch it and like, you know, a few kind of binge it in a few days, there were things that just seemed like they were like, really dragged out a lot longer so i'm or just disappear a- like ace snorting oxy in the pilot that never happens again yeah <laughs> yeah and even like um the storyline in the last episode like i thought something tragic w- was gonna happen and then it turns into a pants pooping joke uh- <laughs> which i honestly i love because i love that the show built up to this this moment and clearly you know and like the any- thing is that is super common in wrestling. Every wrestler has a story about it. So it's it's well, not the out of, of the blue at all. And, and diets that they're on, I'm sure they have their intestinal problems. Well, CM deep. Punk, who does a cameo in episode three, and he, he appears again later in the season. He plays Ricky, uh, Ricky Rabies. Mm-hmm. So CM Punk, if you don't know, he's like one of the world's most famous wrestlers. He told the exact same story about once how he was in the ring, he pooped his pants because of whatever he ate, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's usually somebody lands on you wrong or you're you're having a bad day. Well, I just want to note that I, I've seen two great pants shitting jokes in the past 24 hours. One was here and one was in uh, Jackass Forever. But... <laughs> Um, but you know what how how are we 40 minutes into the show and we haven't mentioned chris bauer i don't know because you i want to i want to mention something first in that i think i have a very different look on what i want season two to look like and then we can talk about all the performances that we love because i do think we need to just spend a few minutes highlighting the number of phenomenal performances on this show but for me i almost want to see and ricky this is going to hurt your feelings but i almost want to see a little bit less wrestling i want to see the wrestling be used as like like not even the fuel i want it to be the spark for the other stories on the show and that's why i like what these last two episodes do and how they serve that purpose and kind Mm -hmm. of shift where our character is going i think this show is at its best when it's its most thoughtful and when it's leaning a little bit heavier into the ideas of faith and you know it it gets a little preachy with its biblical parallels but having those things there add a richness and a texture to the the actual wrestling storytelling that just would really like i want this show to be the the spiritual successor to rectify and that would bring it so much closer I've never seen Rectify, so the comparison goes beyond me, but is it sort of like a family drama that revolves around sports? No, or? so Rectify is a series. It's from Ray McKinnon, who played the priest on Deadwood. It's a show that he wrote and created, and it's about 
um, a guy who gets off. He he was put on death row when he was eighteen for the like the murder of his girlfriend, and gets he gets off on a technicality and and goes to live with his his parents. His mother's played by Jay Smith Cameron, who's gotten very big recently playing Jerry on Succession. And it's about him coming home and coming home to the town that he left two decades ago. And that, you know, the story of him going to prison completely changed. And it's about his family and about him trying to figure out who he is as a person after losing 20 years of his life. And there's a lot of parallels. You know, the Heels is a show that's very much obsessed with with the ghosts of its past, not only the people, but in the events and the scars that are left. And like, that's all rectify is about rectify is a show that is 1000% vibes. And there's, you know, the, the main character of that show spends a lot of time exploring his own faith and like where, and how, and if that's a place that he can ground himself. And I think, you know, wrestling culture is, like you said, the the kayfabe of it all, you have to believe in it for it to to make sense to you. For and, and if you do believe in it, there's joy in that. And there and religion offers the same comforts. You have to buy into it. But if you buy into it, there's there's a rewarding emotional experience there. Um, you know, wrestling and religion are two things that that I certainly keep at arm's length in my life. I'm not a religious person. I'm not a person that watches wrestling. But that dedication to it and that ability to buy in is like something that I really cherish and I really believe in and what heels asked me to buy into ultimately I'm willing to buy in and I want to see it commit to that in its second season. Right. But but Randy, you do see like as someone who doesn't watch professional wrestling, like weekly, like we do, you do see how the stories in the ring bleed out into real life. Like for example, when all of a sudden there's a, a change in script and at the end of the first episode, Jack decides to win the match in 15 seconds and make Ace look like a total chump it changes their relationship in real life. And then therefore it affects his relationship with his girlfriend later on and so on and so forth. There's this like chain reaction, right? And when you get to episode three, you actually have uh, Ace finally deciding that he needs to turn heel because it's the only way for, for it to work because you want the crowd reaction. It's not a bad thing if the crowd is booing you. It's a good thing. You want the reaction from a crowd. Whatever reaction you get is a good thing. And that's why like, it's not that I want to see like 30 minutes of wrestling in the show. I don't want that. But I do feel like a lot of the storylines, the, the 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 genesis of the drama happens inside the square ring, right? And I'm curious to see what happens in season two because she does win the championship at the end of the season. And again, going back to the idea of how I think that this was written for the 80s, like why is there no women wrestlers? Like it's not mm-hmm. uncommon that there's win- women wrestlers. Women wrestlers are all over the place. In fact, the best wrestlers in WWE, which is like the number one promotion in the world, it's the women wrestlers. It's to the point where they appear on episodes of The Mandalorian, like Sasha Banks. She's a star in The Mandalorian because the biggest wrestlers in the world right now are the women, like Charlotte Flair, for example, Becky Lynch, uh, Rousey, Ronda Rousey, et cetera, et cetera. So that was something else that was odd about the show. The fact that they're like, hey, why don't we have women wrestlers? Like, hello. Hmm. One famous woman uh, wrestling semi adjacent to wrestling athlete that you don't mention from the Mandalorian. I wonder what that's about. Um, we she's won't say her wrestler. name. We, we do not have to talk. She's not a wrestler. We don't have to talk about her here. I was making a joke. Um, I think what you like. We can talk about the wrestling forever. Let's talk about the performances that we love on the show. I want to talk first about Crystal because um kelly england she i loved her on now apocalypse which is another show that nobody watched and i watched it thank you for well i mean yeah of course you're gonna watch a greg iraqi show like obviously you and i are the two people that would watch it well there's another show that's there waiting for you to, to have another fantastic performance from her because i think she's what this show like grounded me in. it took me a little while to yeah, buy into Ludwig, actually, but she's fantastic you- what I want to see in season two is more of her. I mean, positioning her at the end as the title holder, like fine. It was just so frustrating for me watching the show, watching people just make bad decisions over and over again. <laughs> like in a good way or in a bad way, like frustrated because she's not getting her spotlight when she should be in the spotlight. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's, tv like you're supposed to feel emotions and <laughs> feelings for things so dude she's amazing in she, this show. yeah like, she's very good i mean she's set up to be the character that you really 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 root for 
Um, and she just uh, she's just so good at it. But also, you know that they actually have to train for like, I don't know, like almost an entire year to actually. Yeah, a lot. Do the it was very clear that most of them were doing their mo- their own stuff through most of it. It was pretty impressive. According to interviews I've seen on YouTube, they perform 90% of the stunts. So <sighs> most most of the wrestling is performed by the wrestlers. Well, and so, I yeah. wonder how that's going to play out long term because that was one of the issues that Glow ran into is that in the first season, their actresses did so much of the wrestling that they had to start writing it out in season two because the amount of damage they were doing to themselves. They were, getting, they were, they were literally getting worn out from doing all the wrestling in there. So I'm interested. I think this show has a much lighter hand with the amount of wrestling that it puts in it you know it it has entire Mm -hmm. episodes that have no wrestling which i think will help alleviate some of that but i mean again on now apocalypse kelly berglund proved that she's pretty much game for anything and that willingness just lets this show go to so many great places and and opens quite honestly it opens up other performances like like ludwig like Stephen amell is a a guy that i've always really enjoyed I, i liked him on arrow but his his performance always had such a limited range in the first half of this season. I also felt like, all right, dude, like you're doing the same shit again. You're just walking around with the gruff face and the short hair and, and doing the punchy thing. Good. But that, yeah, that was a, a, an issue I had with Stephen Amell through the first few seasons of Arrow. Wait, sorry, I'm confused. What What's the issue you guys had, have with Stephen Amell? Well, what I was going to say is that... He can be a little mono-expressionist. He's, yeah, he's a little... His range can be limited at times. And, and Arrow certainly asked him to go outside that range. And I certainly think this show caters to that range a little bit more. But once the... his character and Crystal come in closer proximity to each other, it starts to unlock something in his performance that starts paying off around every, every scene that he's in on the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. But don't you think he's better cast? And no offense, like he was great as the Green Arrow, but don't you think he's better cast here? Because, I mean, the guy actually is a huge fan of wrestling. He's actually wrestled. Like, you know, he's wrestled in wrestling promotions, the WWE, AEW. Like, he knows how to wrestle. No, I think, he's, I think he's well cast in both. I just think Arrow in its many... You know, it it Arrow ran for a very long time, so it would have to naturally push its actors to different places. And I think just some of those places were not places that were his strong suit. And I think what this show actually does was showed me that he has a larger range than I thought he did. Some of it comes in scenes like with his wife that I would rather this show not had. But this show does open up his abilities in a way that I didn't I didn't expect. And I think I again it, I give credit to Berglund because anytime she touches another character or acts with another actor on this show, their performances suddenly get better. It's crazy. Now before we get started, I got something important I want. I have a confession to make. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Spade, I've been cheating on you with Bobby Pin. confession my confession is i'm not the least bit sorry about it the thing is ace you can't satisfy me i need a man not a crybaby boy but hey don't worry you're so lucky because sometimes you find someone more pathetic than you. Hey, uh, Trisha, you know what I'm talking about. You get that bony behind the alley here. Well, the other thing about his performance that I want to point out that nobody else has talked about yet is the accents. They're all over the place. Some people are better at them than others. And I absolutely think that that is part of what is stilting Um Stephen Amell's performance in some places is the need to maintain this not very good accent. <laughs> Every time he says fuck, and I'm like, all right, man, we get it. You're Canadian. Um, yeah. and, and it stinks too, because once you put Chris Bauer and his ability to do Southern accents on a mm-hmm. show, like forget about it. Everybody else is going to look like shit, especially when he has a, <laughs> a the fucking handlebar mustache and the hair. Like, oh, it's I like, know. It's, like yeah. forget about it, you know? Yeah, I was just about to say, I'm not from the U.S. of A., so I'm not entirely sure like if I would notice a change in accent as often as maybe some some people would. But Chris Bauer, to me, like seems like he's always perfectly in character. And 
He's like, like, I don't think he's the highlight of season one, but I think he might be the best performer. He's got the I best mean, written dialogue of season yeah. one. That's for sure. He gets his dialogue gets there's again, he takes on the role of pastor a lot of this season and kind of bringing the glory and the mystique to the art of wrestling. And I think putting like putting that character, like he is kind of in a weird way. Like if you think about the traditional, like dramatic structures and, and characters, he is like the seer of this world. He is the old grizzled guy who comes in, who has more experience than everyone. And he has all the knowledge and he talks in all this flowery language. I fucking love the way his character is written, but, but it's not just the dialogue. He also has the most, um, he's given, he's asked to do the most in terms of emotional range mm-hmm. because we see him at his lowest and we see him at his highest and we see him like we see the dude on an airplane butt naked like that scene by the way had me on la- laughing in stitches so he he just seems like 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 the thing about Stephen Amell he always seems I, I don't want to use the word one note because I do think he has a he's he's I do I do think his performance is good in in season one but we don't really see him break down or like we don't see as much of a range in terms of like him expressing emotions as some of the other characters. And I think Chris Bauer might have might be asked to do more in terms of like acting. But I, I just think I just think that like, yeah, he's got to be the best performer. Like like as much as I like Crystal, I think if I had to give a quote unquote MVP award for the for the act for the cast, I would give it to him. And he's what everyone talks about. Everyone talks about Chris Bauer, and they they talk about the actual cameos from professional wrestlers like CM Punk shows up mm-hmm. and Mick Foley shows up as a podcaster. Did James has James Harrison done any wrestling? I don't know if you guys are familiar. He was a professional football player, so he's he's an actual athlete that showed up on the show. Who's you know he's not the greatest line reader, but he's he's fine. He adds to that kind of camaraderie of the secondary cast that I really enjoy. But I mean, look, the cast is great. And we sort of like mentioned in passing like Bobby Pin. And I think Bobby Pin is like his character is fantastic. And what I like about his character is that he's trying to figure out who his character is. So like the first four episodes, we're not entirely sure who this guy is because he's not entirely sure who he is. And it goes to show that just a real good guy to show how in professional wrestling, like when you're you, the wrestler is allowed to just be, you know, a character that's more akin to who you are naturally. It works better in front of the cameras and in the ring. And that's, that's what I think they really nailed with, with his character. Like it's something a lot of wrestlers struggle with where they're asked to like use some sort of like gimmick. And usually when you're a jobber, it works because you're just expected to be a jobber and lose matches. But if you want to like, sort of like move up in the ranks and become a star, you need to actually find a character. And that's the thing about professional wrestling. Like, you know, it is a soap opera. Uh, There are characters and, you know, like you are, acting all the time even if it's scripted you know what i mean like anything can happen anything can change at, 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 within minutes you'll have to like rearrange a script in the ring live in front of like tens of thousands of people like it's not easy and and i also like how it shows how you know everyone uses the word fake and i hate it when people use the word fake when you talk about wrestling it, you can use the word scripted you can use the word predetermined fake it's not fake these people actually get injured and I mean, you don't have to sell me on wrestling. I, I get the, I, I have, a, I have a deep respect for for wrestling as a sport. It's not something that I watch, but like, I get it, dude. You need to watch some wrestling documentaries to like understand it. But, but I will Which say I've this: watched, though. like, I'm not, I'm educated on the sport of wrestling. Like, I, I've, I, I understand it. I just don't follow the culture of it, so I don't. I'm not, I'm not embedded in it on a year to year basis like you guys are. That was my point, uh, Marika. Would you say it's sort of like a part time job keeping up with the culture of wrestling? Because you need to know what's well, going like on. It's like keeping backstage. up with any soap opera. You know what I mean? Like you got to be in there yeah, for the week to week storylines. You get lost. It's any fandom that you're interested in. I mean, you know, uh, Marvel fans are obsessing over when the next movie comes out. Like there's there's always going to be external things you're going to be interested in. I mean, part of, you know, us doing a podcast on a weekly basis, you know, it gives us an extra incentive to to spend time looking at all of the external stuff. I just wanted to make a really quick point that I should have made a long time ago about Stephen Amell's performance and all the comparisons we were making earlier to Friday Night Lights and how clearly that's what the producers of the show want us to think about. The unfortunate side effect of that is I think about um, Kyle Chandler and how amazing he was at carrying that show. And as much as I love Stephen Amell, he is not Kyle Chandler. (laughs) 
No, no, he's not. <laughs> also, Kyle Chandler is on a very bad show right now. Just a side note: if you haven't watched Average Joe, whew, not a good show. Ordinary oh, Joe, really? whatever it is, it's not great. It's bad. And to be honest, he's not all that great in it. But he's fantastic on Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Um. So before we before we go, I wanted to end on you know a a positive note and ask if there was a particular scene, particular episode of the show you loved. I'll go first just to kind of give us an example. I think when I finally, it was a third, the third episode is when I really started to buy into what this show was selling. And I think that journey was kind of completed by the end of episode six, when uh, Ace shows up at um, the baptism for his, his retired friend there and all of the weight of like life and everything he's done and what a shitty human being he is has finally started to weigh on his shoulders a bit. I just think that a, a sequence like that from the speech that he gives to what happens at the reception afterward is on a lesser series, something that would feel like super smalchy, cheesy bullshit that would just totally turn me off from the series. But it comes from both the writing and the performance, but the heart that is put into that sequence, I think really sets this show up for success moving forward. And if there's something I'm going to think about when I, when I think back on this first season and what draws me to a show like this and draws me to shows about sports in general, it's, it's moments like that and, and what they do with Ace's character in that episode. What about you guys? Well, I just want to give a quick shout out to CM Punk because he shows up as Ricky Rabies and I love his character. Uh, I mean, like when he actually wrestles Jack and he spits out the blood and they have like the oh. drone flying over the arena. God, I could not help but think that would be amazing in real life. <laughs> I actually, I've actually, I've always thought that CM Punk would actually, should actually just change his gimmick in real life just to kind of like be shock a taxidermist. Everyone. Oh, it'd be freaking amazing. Yeah. Oh, that I mean, certainly a move. So there is so many highlights in, in, in this show. There's so many standout moments. Like I, I mentioned the ending of episode one, when Jack beats Ace in 15 seconds. I thought that was incredible. The ending of episode three, when Ace turns heel was incredible because it shows, it shows like mm. how hard it is to be a face in professional wrestling. It's a lot easier to be a heel. It's a lot easier to make people hate you than love you. And I think, I think the thing that we haven't spoken about that I also really liked is, and I can't remember the character's name, but the actual um, owner of the FWB. Oh yeah. The, the competition, that promotion, his dialogue is fantastic. Charlie he Gold. has the, he has, he's part of the amazing sequence at the diner when he's trying to like buy out the Duffy League mm. and he's talking to um, Willie. And then later, like he has the uh, he's just given so much dialogue, like when Ace shows up at his mansion and he's trying to like persuade Ace to like join his his league, his professional wrestling league instead. I, I thought like to me, that was just like a great performance. Uh, I want to see more of that character. And the last thing I'm going to say is just it was such a highlight to see Mick Foley acting like even if he has a small part, he's just playing a podcaster. And um, and also, like, even like the way the media treats like wrestling, you know, and like the way they are always trying to, like, dig into, like, find, you know, figure out what, what the, the drama that's happening backstage, get the gossip, like um, how sometimes the biggest fans are like the worst fans, too. Fandom, it's bad. I think 2022 is just a point we can probably all agree on. Point is that all fans are awful, and we shouldn't like anything. Rico, what what did you love about season one? I know it's not, it wasn't a show that captured your heart, but is there was yeah, there a scene? I mean, I'm gonna that, that... watch season two. That's the thing. Uh, I love the character of Crystal, her journey, Bobby Pin. I mean, there's enough for me. It's it's more about the supporting characters. I was just having a really hard time connecting. Telling of the main characters as much as I like Stephen Amell. I don't know the if it was a hard. writing thing or. If it, well, it's a lot easier if you actually <laughs> fucking talk to each other, but yes. you know that's just me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have a career for twenty years. Now I'm mad about it. Uh, I went to college. Damn it! Uh, that's a line I always want to hear a female character say. I went to college, then, then followed up with nothing. So job, like uh, anyways. 
So um, are we hoping that Stacy's maybe the grocery store manager next season? Wow. She certainly didn't clean up those pickles very well. She's Taylor cleaning her glass with her bare hands. Jack a single dad. They should she should turn heel. She is the heel. Kind That's of she thing. kind of is. She thinks she's a good guy. She's but... the Brandy Rhodes of this show. Uh, no, she's the Cody. Anywho, I love the show. I can't wait for season two. And uh, I would say you're right, Randy. It is one of the better shows of 2021. I was honestly a little blown away by how much this show captured me. And and by the fifth or sixth episodes, just how engrossed I was in these these characters' journeys. Even the, these smaller characters like, like Rooster. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the way that they handled Rooster. And, and you know, one of the characters I'm more interested to see happen next season, I think him moving to FWD allows us to keep that league kind of at arm's length, but something that we're still exploring and involved in. And him being there is a very interesting note that I hope this this show picks up on because his his storyline, without going into a thing to add this for 20 minutes, but his storyline early on felt one of like one of those things that the the show wrote in later, like, oh shit, we have a black character and we didn't write a storyline for him. We're going to look like idiots. But I think they come out of that very gracefully in the end and really establishing his character as somebody that has something to offer. And it also helps shade Jack as, as like, not this all around good guy. He is a person that has blind spots. He is somebody that is so focused on his success that he's going to leave other people out. Yeah, it that's, I don't know, it just, I, I get that it's the dramatic tension, but it's just like, he has so many blind spots. It's like, why do I care about this guy? He's a, he's just a self-centered jerk. The last thing I'm going to say for this podcast is I think Rooster is like, sort of like the secret weapon for season two, because yeah. to me it's like real life wrestling. You have a wrestler and you're like, why aren't they doing much with this guy? And he's, you know, he's like the face, he's a good guy. And they have a plan. The plan is he's going to turn heel. He's going to become the bad guy next year. And I think I think they actually had a plan for Rooster. I think the plan was he would eventually become the real bad guy, the real heel. Not Ace, not the promoter from FWD, you know, not Mick Foley's character, not Ricky Rabies. It's going to be him. He's going to be the centerpiece for season two. Well, I am certainly excited to see... Um, what they have Alan Maldonado do as Rooster next season. also saw recently that Alan Maldonado is going to voice somebody in a Tomb Raider anime series. Different fact for a different day. Um, any last thoughts on heels before we suplex this bitch out of here? Did I do it right? Did I do it? Did I do a wrestling? <laughs> kind of. I mean, they do say the word bitch a lot. So uh, yeah. I guess the last thing I'm going to say is if um, even if I mean, look, if you're listening to the show, you're most likely like a huge TV fanatic or you've seen heels. If you're trying to recommend a show to someone, just like, you know, tell them you don't have to be interested in professional wrestling. It's not really what it's about. And if you are interested in professional wrestling, I would recommend checking out an episode of AEW Dynamite, which airs on uh, Wednesdays. It is uh, the place to be right now if you are a wrestling fan. So uh, in the end, watch wrestling, watch heels, watch television. It's good. It makes us feel things. Uh, Mariko, thank you for joining us this week. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, best place to find me actually is every week on Talk AEW at talkaew.net. You can catch up on old episodes. Awesome. What about you, Ricky? Besides here, of course. So you can listen to Mariko and I on TalkAW. Go to TalkAW.net, and it is our wrestling podcast. If you are into wrestling, uh, we do record weekly, but we only cover, of course, AEW. Of course, this podcast you can find on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, just about everywhere. Go to TiltMagazine.net, and or you can also go to SortedCinema.com. So there's various ways to find the podcast. But once again, SortedCinema.com and or TiltMagazine.net. Bangers. And I can be found at Process Media, and I can also be found at the Midseason Replacements, where you can also find this podcast, as well as the Sorted Cinema feed. Um, Ricky will be back soon with another Sorted Cinema episode, and I will be back next week on the Midseason Replacements to talk about the final season of Oz. Amazing. I got one quick question before we say goodbye, Randy. Ask and away. it's like, yes or no? I don't want you guys to go on for like a 20-minute rant. 
do you like heels more than glow season one at least yes or no yes no no all right there you go i love glow bring it back i miss it desperately i do love glow i do love glow glow is a glow is a good show i didn't i i haven't seen the last two seasons of it but i did i did like the beginning this show did hit me in some places though Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining. And we'll be back soon on After Dark to talk about more television. Maybe in the dark. Who knows? We'll see you then. Our new title belt. We're still waiting for the boss to sign off on the redesigned logo, which will go dead in the center. Our research has revealed an overlooked fact. If you sit in the nosebleed seats, the current belts are hard to see. But this revised and improved title belt? Highly visible. This dynamic redesign lends itself to premium placement in toy stores. I think I need sound effects. Make it beep and boop and shit. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Kids will love playing with it even more if we had that. Yeah, of course they will. That's all it is, is a toy. Toy I fractured my skull for. Toy I got two knee replacements for. Toy I watched a lot of friends die in a fucking gutter chasing down. Ha! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Can we please remember this is an office, not a ring bill? Oh, it's all a ring, sweetheart. As a former champion, we need you to get behind this. I hate this fucking bill. It's a piece of shit. But I am a reliable soldier, Maria. It's all good. Off to Cleveland. Gonna need to pack my robe if I'm getting back on camera. Nothing on camera this week. But good to be ready if things change.